Hey folks, I'm here today to tell you about Visible. Something unfortunate about wireless services, what you see isn't always what you get. But with Visible, what you see is what you get. No perception check required. Switch to Visible, the wireless company that makes wireless visible. Get a one-line plan with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon for just $25 a month, taxes and fees included. If you're looking for a carrier that is upfront with no hidden fees, then go to Visible.com to make the switch. You don't need more than one line of wireless to save, and you're going to be getting unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon. Visible is the wireless carrier that's constantly operating from a zone of truth. In their quest for total transparency, Visible wants you to know the monthly rate on the Visible plan. For data management practices and additional terms, visit Visible.com. Save on wireless without the hassle. Switch to Visible today and save at Visible.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Dungeon Cast. I'm Brian. And I'm William. This is the podcast where we talk about everything tabletop role-playing games. And today we are talking about the legendary wondrous items of Dungeons & Dragons. Hey, Brian. Hey, Will. How you doing today? I'm doing swell, dude. Swell. Swell. Fantastic. That's good. That's <laughs> good to hear, man. How are you? I'm doing pretty good. Mmm. Mmm. Delicious. <laughs> what do you have? What do you have for us today? I have some legendary wondrous items. Seven, to be exact. Hell yeah. Mm-hmm. Why seven? Just because it's powerful? Uh, I don't know. It felt like it felt like a good number to stop powerful at. Amount. <laughs> It was it was enough to fill about uh, what I gauge to be a single Dungeon Cast episode. So this will be our norm, like our like our swords episode. Yes, our, yes. So matter- we're just gonna throw a bunch of swords at our audience. Exactly. Except for this time, it's just a bunch of wondrous items. Yeah, this time they'll probably be able to catch them all instead of getting cut up all bad. At least most of them, and they'll even be able to wear some. Oh, hey, get ready, audience. <laughs> so we've done legendary swords of D&D, the legendary armors of D&D, and the legendary staffs, rods, and wands of D&D. Now it's time for the legendary wondrous items of D&D, because it's year of the artifact, guys. It is year of the artifact. And that means we are covering all sorts of items of power this year. Both Once, once a month. Once a month about. Yeah, about once a month. <laughs> both <laughs> the legendary and the artifact, and on rare occasions, the merely very rare. Um, although that's kind of rare that we covered the merely very rare. I think I was forced to in the Rod, Staffs, and Wands episode. Oh, there yeah. Because wa- there wasn't any legendary wands. It got dry really fast. It wasn't a thing. Oh, mm-hmm. God, don't say that. <laughs> any questions about Wondrous Items before we begin? <laughs> I've poisoned you. Do you have a favorite Wondrous Item? <laughs> a favorite Wondrous Item? Yeah. I don't know anything about them because we haven't covered them on the show. Um, I mean, we've covered a few. Um, uh, I guess so. Artifact-wise. I mean, like the deck of many, many things. things is one. Mm-hmm. Um, I believe the orbs of dragon kind are another. Why does a deck of many things want to constantly destroy itself? Is that is that a thing? Or vanish? Is that a thing? It's annoying when you're trying to run a deck of many <laughs> things campaign, and it keeps going away. It keeps vanishing. <laughs> I keep having to find ways to put it back in the game. That's interesting. I suppose <laughs> I know it has the one that makes it vanish. I think the uh, the there's a 
expanded version of the deck that yeah. has a card in it that makes all your magic items fucking like explode or whatever. Oh yeah, 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 like, and burn, that includes and that includes the deck because it's magic. Exactly. Right, yeah. Right, that makes like, sense. Why? That makes sense. <laughs> I, one guy just was like, "Fuck it," I pull five cards, and I was like, "Okay," and. Does it destroy them or just makes them disappear? It, I, the way it was read, it destroyed. It That's destroyed. interesting. Many, and many things a, happened, and the last one was the deck like burns up. Like, the cool. uh, there's not a line in there that says except for the deck. No, no. That's so weird. Okay, so like that yeah, would same ex- thing when it vanished. That I was would like, ex- oh, it's just gone. That would explain why there's so few because eventually that card's going to get drawn and then it self detonates. Right. Yeah. They, there's there's no way around it. It will get drawn eventually. So what? They're just fucking making new ones. So, somebody's out there like, ah, I better make five decks and put them out in the world. Yeah, see what happens. All right, let's get back to wondrous items that aren't the deck of many things. Yeah. And let us begin with a very unique one known as the apparatus of Qualish or Qualish. However yeah, Qualish. Qualish. I tried to Google the pronunciation and it was quite elusive. As a lot of these things tend to be. Yeah, yeah. I, I didn't find it, um, but I didn't spend a lot of time on it either. Yeah. And no one said anything the last time Qualish came up. Well, we'll see what happens this time. (laughs) The wondrous item, or this wondrous item, is a vehicle, to put it in the simplest terms. Mm -hmm. Uh, We talked a bit about Qualish in the Legendary Armors episode. Uh, He is a famous archmage and inventor from the Greyhawk setting known for creating fantastical technological devices, most famously the apparatus of Qualish. The apparatus of Qualish was originally created by its namesake to explore the ocean depths and establish relations with sentient underwater races, which that sentence would make you think it's a submarine, which the answer to that question would be kind of. Yes, it is, but it's so much more. It's still, uh, it's too soon to talk about submarines. Oh, I forgot a thing happened in the news. A thing happened in the news. I'm trying not to say slanderous (laughs) meme things. You're going to have trouble through the rest of this one. Okay. When not in operation, the apparatus resembles a large iron barrel. It has a concealed latch that allows access inside where the control systems are located. When deployed and in operation, an apparatus qualish resembles a giant metallic lobster. I like that. Yeah. The apparatus can fit up to two people inside. Its controls consist of a set of 10 levers, each responsible for a different aspect of the vehicle's operation. Thank God. I thought you were going to say Logitech controller. (laughs) Ah, fuck. I did it. Oh, Oh, no. The levers perform various functions, including extending or retracting the legs, tail, pincers, and feelers covering and uncovering the portholes, moving the apparatus, snapping its pincers, opening and closing its magically lit eyes, and rising and sinking in water, and opening or closing the hatch. The device can function in water up to 900 feet deep, which isn't as deep as you would think. Yeah. I mean, I mean it is deep. It's pretty deep. Yeah. Don't go deeper than that, because bad things happen. Isn't deep like Dagon? Is another thing we say. Deep like Dagon. Yeah. Was really trying. Well, to find in this summer, and you can't go deep like Dagon. You can't. It just said that right yeah, there. It, so it did. It, it really did. But yes, deep like Dagon is a thing. We, <laughs> we yes. It holds enough air for a crew of two to survive a few hours. Uh, later in his life, it is said that Qualish created a superior, greater apparatus of Qualish, an iron barrel which transforms into the shape of a small dragon capable of flight and capable of firing a small cannonball from its mouth. However, the risk of accidental backfire was significant. <laughs> Qualish was like, what swims better than lobsters? A dragon. You know, I've seen dragons swim. They look badass. Some like dragons dragon do submarine. swim, and they swim very well. Yeah, like what, brass, bronze? Uh, bronze. Yeah, bronze is one. Is. Yeah. Oh, and gold. Gold are probably like the yeah. best swimmers. They smell a little salty. 
Yeah, I guess a little bit. So get inside also Mr. Topaz. Sorry. Get inside metallic get inside robot Mr. Krabs from that episode of SpongeBob where exactly. they robot Mr. Krabs yeah. and Plankton pilots it to steal the Krabby Patty recipe. I just watched that episode the other day. My son really likes SpongeBob. Yeah, and I gotta say, the first show. four seasons are incredible. Yeah, SpongeBob's really yeah. good. But then it falls off a cliff really fast. It um, definitely cha- it spins out. It 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 uh, Yeah, I was watching some wild shit I the don't other know. day. They're all I think a lot of them are really good. You just have to separate those those core early ones mm-hmm. from like the what they're doing in the later. I stuff. caught some like season fourteen stuff that I was like, "This is crazy." I'm not gonna say it's all good. <laughs> I'm not gonna say that. Okay, all right. Not not even the early ones. Not even all SpongeBob episodes are not good. Okay, I want to go on record saying that. I'm not gonna say which ones. <laughs> okay, tell me about the apparatus equation step sure. wise, please. Sure, I do have that pulled up right here. God, um, so. I guess I do need to read this part. This item first appears to be a large sealed iron barrel weighing 500 pounds. Are we good? Can I skip that? No. Uh, uh, no. The, yeah, the barrel has a hidden catch, important. which can be found uh, with a successful DC-20 intelligence investigation check. That's pretty high. Yeah. Releasing the catch unlocks a hatch at one end of the barrel, allowing two medium or smaller creatures to crawl inside. Ten levers are set in a row at the far end, each in a neutral position, able to move up or down. When certain levers are used, the apparatus transforms to resemble a giant lobster. The apparatus of Qualish is a large object with the following statistics. Armor class of 20, hit points of 200, swim speed of 30 feet, uh, regular movement speed of 30 feet as well. Uh, and then it says, or zero feet for both if the legs and tail aren't extended. So I have that a question. Oh, okay. That's I was like, how does this thing swim? The tail's obviously not extended. I don't, I'm looking at the image here. Yeah, and the, the, the legs are like not skinny spider legs they've got like paddle ability okay i can see that yeah 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 okay probably the claws as well Mm -hmm. i like how the claws are sharp on the outside and the inside i know they really are like a can opener don't get any ideas nature (laughs) we don't need crazy lobsters like that damage immunities poison and psychic it'd be weird if it could be poisoned that would be weird uh, to be used as a vehicle, the apparatus requires one pilot. While the apparatus's hatch is closed, the compartment is airtight and watertight. The compartment holds enough air for 10 hours of breathing divided by the number of breathing creatures inside. Okay, so five for two. Uh, way to be a, an air genasi. That would be super cool. Oh, yeah. No breathing allowed. I'll just shut off my breathing. Yeah, you can do that. The apparatus floats on water. It can also go underwater to a depth of 900 feet. Below that, the vehicle takes 2d6 bludge. Per minute. Per minute from Mm. the pressure. Uh, A creature in the compartment can use an action to move as many as two of the apparatus's levers up or down. After each use, the lever goes back into its neutral position. Each lever from left to right functions as shown in the apparatus of Qualish levers table. Oh, gosh. Uh, Okay. So on a one, (laughs) do we want to read all these, huh? Yeah. On a one Mm. going up, legs extend. Legs and tail extend, allowing the apparatus to walk and swim. Down, legs and tr- legs and tail retract, reducing the apparatus's speed to zero and making it unable to benefit from bonuses to speed. The second lever up is forward window shutter opens, and then down is forward forward window shutter closes. Mm-hmm. I feel like I'm reading a fucking Dr. Seuss book. Well, okay, so the thing here is, like, the only time you're going to use this table is when they first get it and they're testing levers. And you'd be as a DM, you're like, which lever do you pull? Right. Yeah, you know, from one to ten, ten from left to right. Which one you pull? Seven. Oh, it yeah. explodes. You die. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Uh, sorry. Let's get to seven before I, I tell you what it does. <laughs> uh, let's see. I read two. Number three is side window shutters open two per side, and the down position is side window shutters closed two per side. 
uh, position our lever four position up two claws extend from the front sides of the apparatus position down the claws retract uh, lever five each extended claw makes the following melee weapon attack plus eight to hit reach of five feet one target hits for seven or 2d6 bludgeoning damage in the up position down position is each extended claw makes the following melee weapon attack plus eight to hit reach of five feet one target uh, on a hit the target is grappled the escape dc is 15 fairly high I have a qualm with this. Have you you mentioned the claws? They should not be bludgeoning damage. That should be slashing damage. Yeah. Um, yes, it should. Continue. Uh, lever six, position up. The apparatus walks or swims forward. Position down. The apparatus walks or swims backwards. Seven, uh, up position. The apparatus turns ninety degrees to the left. Down position. The apparatus turns ninety degrees to the right. Uh, lever eight, up position. I like fix. I like. I like fixtures emit bright light in a 30-foot radius and dim light for an additional 30 feet. Down position, the light turns off. Uh, lever 9, up position, the apparatus sinks as much as 20 feet in liquid. Down position, the apparatus rises up to 20 feet in liquid with magic or something. Uh, 10, lever 10, up position, the rear hatch unseals and opens. That's a bad one. Down Underwater. position, the rear hatch closes and seals. Okay. I have another problem with this. Yeah. I mean, there's lots of problems with this. <laughs> the main one being that this thing only turns in 90 degree angles. So if something comes at you with, at a 45 degree angle, what are you supposed to do? Die, I guess. <laughs> and what about up and down? You can't turn up and down? I would, I would you can just go, say. Uh, you can rise and, and, and sink up and down. I guess that's good enough. Yeah. I would just say that you can turn up to 90 degrees and you can't turn more than that in a turn. If you want to turn less, like. Yeah. You like you. You move the lever up, and then when you want to stop, you pull it down real fast. Yeah, like realistically, if I put the lever in the up position and leave it there, like and hold it, then mm -hmm. it will spin, mm -hmm. and it'll take six seconds to turn ninety degrees. It's that slow. Yeah, that yeah. makes sense. Okay, I like your fix. That's a good fix. Yeah, that's all. That's all. Like fuck, fuck this like, hard rule <laughs> shit. I'll do what I want. It's a submarine. <laughs> what are your thoughts on the apparatus of Qualish? I mean, it's cool. Like, it's fun. It, yeah, it's gonna make doing your underwater adventure really fun. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, I mean, you can get scary. Like, you can go deeper to take the bludge and take the risk, and that's probably that's probably where my adventure would go, is making hard choices while you're down there. Well, it's okay. So 2d6 is going to average 7 damage per, per minute, right? Mm -hmm. um, 200 HP. So mm, I think you're spending more than a few minutes down there. You're safe for at least 15 minutes. Yeah. I think, unless you're under attack. Right. And I was going to say, if there's uh, potential combat, which there probably should be, if you're going to go get something sketchy or whatever, you know, do a sketchy mission. And uh, you're you're going to want to deal with um, that as well as the uh, limitation on breathing, like the amount of air. In the yeah, that's true. You have a timer there, too. Uh, I will say another thing, too, is uh, 2d6... Uh, for the claw attack seems low to me, but I mean, okay, you you come across I don't know a kraken. There's no way you're fighting it. You just have to run. Yeah, I think you can't fight a kraken. No, like, no. E even if the the characters inside are high level, I guess if you're high level, you probably have methods of not needing the apparatus. Yeah, I, yeah. It, I was thinking about like, okay, well, who's got potions of water breathing? That's probably something you take with you as like a precaution. A precaution. Yeah. And then if things are going bad, you can open the hatch. You know, hit the hit the potions, open the hatch, let the water come in. Hopefully, there's no problematic like yeah pressurization like, thing yeah, that goes on when you do fucks that. up the machine. I don't know. I'd hand wave it. Yeah. I, yeah. I don't know if it would fuck up the machine or not, but um, it could. It's definitely gonna like 
I mean, if you fill it up with water, I don't know. Is I'm not a. <laughs> I am not a scientist. I'm not a scientist. I'm not an engineer. I'm a pseudo engineer <laughs> at best. Like, yeah, we we'd figure it out. We're dungeon masters. All right. Next yeah. up, we have another wondrous item: cloak of invisibility. As one would imagine, the Cloak of Invisibility is a powerful magical cloak that allows the wearer to become invisible for a limited amount of time. Not a lot of lore on the Cloak of Invisibility. Mm -hmm. uh, I suspect it's because invisibility cloaks as a concept have been around for a very long time. To the point, I don't think D&D writers have ever felt compared to write justifying lore for their existence in the game. So let's talk about in-real-life mythology instead. Okay, like Harry Potter. <laughs> uh, I don't know if I mentioned it here, but I, we can mention it now. <laughs> It takes six fucking books to figure out what the cloak actually is. That's all I'll say about it. Okay, moving on. The concept of the invisibility cloak is perhaps most commonly found in Welsh and Germanic folklore and may have originated with the cap of invisibility seen in ancient Greek myths. For those unfamiliar, the cap of invisibility is a helmet or cap that can turn the wearer invisible, also known as the cap of Hades or helm of Hades. Wearers of the cap in Greek myths include Athena, the goddess of wisdom, the messenger god Hermes, and the hero Perseus. Or if you played the game Hades, Hades. <laughs> Got it. Those wearing the cap become invisible to other supernatural entities, akin to a cloud of mist sometimes used to remain undetectable. Cloaks of invisibility are magical items found in folklore and fairy tales. Uh, such cloaks are common in Welsh mythology. A mantle of invisibility is described in the... Oh, God, I forgot about this part. I wrote these notes a long time ago. Um, there's going to be Welsh terms in here. And uh, Welsh is very difficult to pronounce, and I'm sorry ahead of time. I'm just going to do my best. There's something you should know about me before you continue with this. Y yes, tell me. I don't, I don't speak any Welsh. Me neither. All right. <laughs> I don't either. <laughs> so the mantle of invisibility is described in the tale of... Coolwick and Olwyn, uh, circa 1100 AD, as one of King Arthur's most prized possessions. The mantle is described again and in more detail in the Broodwid Ronabwin. Oh, I can hear the keys. I can hear <laughs> hey, the I'm clicking sorry. of someone's keyboard. I'm so sorry. This is going to be one of the tastiest YouTube comments we've ever gotten. And is later listed as one of the 13 treasures of the Isle, island of Britain. I think you got that one right. I hope so. A similar mantle appears in the second branch of... The, Ma the Mabinagi, in which it is used as Caswalon to by Caswalon to assassinate the seven stewards left behind by Bran the Blessed and usurp the throne. I'm I'm not that big into Arthurian legend, so this is all unfamiliar to me, by the way. In the English fairy tale, Jack the Giant Killer, the hero is rewarded with several magical gifts by a giant he has spared, among them a coat of invisibility. Okay. And lastly, the counterpart in Japan is the Kakure Mino, a magical straw cat, cape or raincoat of invisibility. In the folktale of the Peach Boy, Momotaro, one of the treasures uh, the hero collects from the ogres, is a cape of invisibility, paralleling the story of Jack the Giant Slayer. Okay. That's all I got on Cloaks of Invisibility. Apologies for all the all the pronunciation stuff. Everywhere. Go ahead and tell me about the D&D one. All right. Cloak of Invisibility. Why... I won't even talk about what I'm seeing right now. What are you seeing right now? Look, it's the same image as. Uh, oh, as they the, they never. It does. Qualish's boat. Mr. So that's, robot. That's the default image when they don't have an image. Is Qualish's Quali boat? Yes, it's, it's submarine. It's the lobster. That is insane. That, yes, that coincidence is there. That is very coincidental. Uh, okay, we got a cloak of invisibility. It's a wondrous legendary uh, item that requires attunement. So while wearing this cloak, you can pull its hood over your head to cause yourself to become. Invisible, the D and D in the D and D verse. Yeah, 
Oh, I clicked away. Invisible. An invisible creature is impossible to see without the aid of magic or special sense. For the purpose of hiding, the creature is heavily obscured. The creature's location can be detected by any noise it makes or any tracks it leaves without the augmentation of another spell, like Pass Without a Trace. Attack rolls against the creature have disadvantage, and the creature's attack rolls have advantage. That's why Harry Potter's cool. It's because he's always fucking invisible. I can do yeah. that. Uh, while you are invisible, anything you are carrying or wearing is invisible with you. You become visible when you cease wearing the hood. Pulling the hood up or down requires an action. That's an important balance. The heavy hood. Something I normally hand wave for any other cloak. Uh, Deduct the time you are invisible in increments of one minute from the cloak's maximum duration of two hours. After two hours of use, the cloak ceases to function. For every uninterrupted period of 12 hours, the cloak goes unused. It regains one hour of duration. So it has a battery, Mm -hmm. a magic battery. 24 hours and it's fully charged. Yeah. Okay. That submarine shit was like the hardest stat block I've ever read. And comparing it to that one where I did, I got it pretty clean. Yeah. Well, let's see good. how the, let's see how the next one does you because we're covering the Iron Flask. Okay. <clears throat> Bring it Th- on. This one is interesting. It definitely has some magic lamp vibes. Uh, so in appearance, there isn't much going on with the Iron Flask. It's just an Iron Flask shaped like an iron bottle or a bra- with a brass stopper. Um, I've seen depictions of it looking like an iron fire, iron vial as well. But for the most part, it's depicted as a very unassuming iron flask. I'm sure you're looking at the image right now. No, I'm not. Okay. Well, you will be soon. I'm I'm looking at our notes and I will be soon. (laughs) So the iron flask only does one thing, Uh, but the thing it does is really potent. It is also morally eyebrow raising, depending on the situation in which it's used. All right. Iron flasks are capable of trapping and binding extra planar beings. Essentially, by speaking the command word of the iron flask, the user can trap a nearby extra planar creature inside of it for an indeterminate amount of time. It is possible for the creature to resist being trapped, and creatures that have been trapped before are harder to imprison again. Upon removing the brass stopper, the imprisoned creature is released and bound to obey the owner of the flask for one hour, after which you should definitely have an escape plan because now you have an immortal enemy. Yeah, I mean, probably. It's going to take a lot to make amends on that one. Yeah, and it doesn't matter who you trap. They're going to be pissed. They're probably going to be really Angel, mad. devil, demon, genie, doesn't matter. What if you, like, get them in the bottle and then, like, barred it up real hardcore and be like, you know, you deserve to be in here, right? And, like, I don't whether or not it's true. You gaslight them? You, I, it could be true that they deserve to be in there. I mean, it, it could be true. Or you can get it like a Stockholm Syndrome thing. I see where the moral quandaries are coming in now. Yep. Yeah, uh-huh. yeah. Those things I said are bad. Okay. Indeed you did. We have the wondrous item. It is legendary. This iron bottle has a brass stopper. You can use an action to speak the flask command word, targeting a creature that you can see within 60 feet of you. If the target is a native to a plane of existence other than the one you are on, the target must succeed on a DC 17 wisdom saving throw or be trapped in the flask. If the target has been trapped by the flask before, it has has advantage on the saving throw. He's like getting sucked in. He's like, oh, I know these these little curves and roots yeah. and the metal. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Exactly. Um, once trapped, a creature remains in the flask until released. The flask can hold only one creature at a time. A creature trapped in the flask doesn't need to breathe, eat, or drink, and doesn't age. You know my favorite movie that actually featured an iron flask. Now that I realize it, Little Nicky. Oh yeah, it does. <laughs> it was literally a flask. That's uh, I, I'm like a 64, uh, 40, 60 hit to miss on Adam Sandler movies, uh-huh. and Little Nicky is in my forty hit. Yeah, I'm with you there. Yeah. It's yeah. God, it's a dumb movie, but I love it. Oh, it's so fucking funny with the Popeye's chicken stuff. Oh yeah, that stuff yeah, is absolutely. great. Say, Mister Beefy. Okay, hang on. So this is the Mafuba. 
Uh, remind me. Mafuba. Uh, how they they seal people in Dragon Ball. Master Roshi does the Mafuba technique. Oh, like puts people in jars. I, I'm a I'm a Z guy. I've only watched so much of yeah. They skip OG it. In, they Ball. skip it in Z. They don't yeah. seal anybody. They no, probably should have. Yeah, uh, but then they they do it again in Super. They try to seal. Somebody oh yeah. In okay. Okay. Um, it's funny. I've been watching Dragon Ball Z Kai with uh, Liam lately. Oh, cool. Yeah, it's been fun. That's fun. Uh, <laughs> Vegeta gets sealed in the Mafuba for like a little bit. Does he? Yeah, okay. Wow. Oh, okay. Uh, it's pretty funny. Uh, you can use an action to remove the flask stopper and release the creature the flask contains. The creature is friendly to you and your companions companions for one hour and obeys your commands for that duration. If you give no commands or give it a command that is likely to result in its death, it defends itself but otherwise takes no actions. At the end of the duration, the creature acts in accordance with its normal disposition and alignment. An identify spell reveals that a creature is inside the flask, but the only way to determine the type of creature is to open the flask. A newly discovered bottle might already contain a creature chosen by the GM or determined randomly. So I have a gripe with that because okay. there are ways to like circumvent like this says the only way to determine the type of creature is to open the flask. Like what if I use the wish spell to have the knowledge? Well, okay. Let's pull up the wish spell. Because remember the wish spell isn't as flexible as you would think it is. No, but you can. It, it can be. It can be. You can use your like fucking life force or whatever, right? Yeah, I'm pulling it up right now because I can never fucking remember this level nine. Okay, spell. while you do that, it's never read been table. cast in any game I've been in because no one's high enough, enough level to actually cast it. You just got to be brave and, and go to level fifteen or level sixteen um, or whatever. Right. Uh, so on a one through fifty, the contents are empty. Um. On a fifty-one, you got an Arcanaloth. On fifty-two, <sighs> you got a Cambion. That's. A little better. 53 and 54, you get a Dao. A what? A oh, a Dao, like Dao. An, earth, an earth genie. Gotcha. Mm -hmm. 55 through 57, demon type 1. Okay. Well, 58, 60, demon type 2. 61, 62, demon type 3. 63, 64, demon type 4. 65, demon type 5. 66, demon type 6. 67 is a Deva. Uh, 68 and 69 is a Devil greater. 70 and 72 is Devil lesser. Why would they do that? That's weird. Uh, 73 and 74 is... <laughs> oh, shit. We forgot the lesser ones. Is a genie. Um, Which kind? It just says genie. That's weird because they were specific about Dao before. Mm. Uh, 75 through 76 is a Nefridi. Okay. Uh, 77, 78 is any elemental. It says any in parentheses. Okay. Why doesn't it say that for genie? I don't know. It probably meant to. Uh, 79 is a Gith Yankee Knight. Oh, that's a weird one. 80 is Gith Zerai Zerth. Okay. Uh, I mean, they're both extra planar. Yeah. 81, 82 is an invisible stalker. 83, 84 is a Merid. 85, 86 is a Mesoloth. 87, 88 is a Night Hag. 89 Ooh. to 90 is a uh, Nykaloth. Is that how you say that? Uh, yeah. That would, yeah, that's right. 90, like big, burly Yugoloths. Uh, a 91 is a pla Planetar. A Planetar. Planetar. Yeah. Planetar. Uh, 92, 93 is a Salamander. Okay. Uh, wow. It's all over the place because salamanders are a lot weaker than a planetar. <laughs> yeah, that's a random thing to have in the yeah. jar. Uh, 94, 95 is a slod. Any slod. Oh, God. That's a terrible draw. You don't want to deal with that. No, you don't. Uh, that was a crazy episode that was. Yeah. Very secular. Uh, 96 was a, is a solar. That's incredible. Uh, 97, 98 is a succubus or incubus. I guess 97 and 98, like you could kind of. Yeah. Uh, 99 is an ultraloth. The most powerful Yugoloth. And the 100 is a Zorn. 
Oh, Zorn are like random earth elementals. They're, they're like, they're mentally kind of chaotic oh and crazy. Oh my god, yeah. they got a big old mouth. Yes, yes. Oh. Um, I, they, I've, there's something funny about the way they talk too. I can't remember what it is, but, um, okay. If you pull an angel and you just found this thing, that's actually not bad. Angel's going to be real happy. Like the planets are? Yeah. Planetar or solar. Yeah. Oh yeah. Or solar. a Deva. Any of those. You're right. probably good. Okay. Uh, cause they're not going to be mad at you. It's mostly, and they're, they're good, it's right? It's mostly bad stuff. It here. is mostly bad stuff. Mostly bad stuff or neutral stuff. Yeah. Well, neutral stuff, you you might be able to get away with like, hey, I let you loose. Like, I, you know, I just found you. So yeah, I didn't like, put you, you owe me. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I didn't put you in there. You're so. welcome. You're Please welcome. dig a big hole for me. Exactly. Okay. What do you think about the iron flask? I mean, it's very cool. This is a very cool plot hook. It's fun. Yeah. It's fun. Um, I really want to do a campaign that's like super focused on the inner planes. So like elemental planes, Shadowfell Feywild, that'd be that'd be a lot of fun. You're just hopping around doing stuff. Mm. It's not quite outer plane craziness, but it's you know a little bit more exotic than the material plane. Spoilers for Dragon Ball. Okay. Uh <laughs> Master Roshi tries to seal the Demon King Piccolo, I think is who it is, in mm-hmm. with the Mafuba, mm-hmm. fails and it drains his life force and kills him. Holy shit. Yeah, but that's the- how Master Roshi dies the first time. Did he die a second time at any point? Everybody dies a second time. Okay. Well, Everybody. 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 Remember Majin Buu? Oh, vaguely. I try not to. <laughs> Cell? Does Cell kill everyone twice? Almost. I, he kills a lot. A lot of people he die in the Goku. Cell saga. Who else Cell does? Cell does not. Cell, well, I guess, yeah, eventually. Oh, yeah, he kills Goku, right? Because Goku sacrifices himself to save Gohan. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, if you're going to KD ratio for Cell, I guess you're going to give that one to him. Yeah, you got it, right? Yeah. <laughs> Okay, all right. Let's get back to D and D. We so got one more. The Halo guy says multi kill when that fucking when he blows up because he kills King Kai. I was always more of a time splitters guy than a Halo guy. Oh, okay, that's interesting. It's a good. What it's the a, fuck is time splitters? You've never played time splitters? <laughs> no, I played Halo. It's an excellent, excellent shooter. Um, with a kind of a comical spin. Uh, you should you should look up time splitters. Uh. Uh, Future Perfect. It's the third one in the series, and okay. they lean hardcore into the comedy, and you're basically like a dumb Vin Diesel character. That's dumb, all I'm going to give dumb you. Dumb Vin Diesel. Dumb Vin Diesel. Oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> it's great, though. Anyways, okay. back to D&D. Yeah. All right. Now we get to do a scary one. It's time for the Sphere of Annihilation. Sure. Is it? Yeah. Okay. Let's find out. <laughs> a Sphere of Annihilation is a magic item that consumes everything it touches. The object is actually a void in the fabric of the multiverse and is utterly black such that no amount of light can penetrate it or reflect off of it. The sphere is two feet. Uh, Or 61 centimeters. In diameter and remains at all times motionless, hovering in position until acted upon by a mental push from a sentient being. Mm. The surface of the sphere essentially destroys whatever it touches. Some describe it as being sucked into the void with no chance of resistance or recovery even by a wish spell. The only thing apparently immune to this annihilation are magical artifacts for unknown reasons. There are also reports of beings who have survived coming into contact with the sphere, but they suffered grievous wounds as if struck by a tremendous force. And finally, divine intervention is a possible path to restoration from annihilation, but getting the attention of a deity to ask a boon is generally fraught with risk. Right. Okay. The sphere is partially responsive to mental commands of movement with beings of higher intelligence having a better chance of success. The black hole always moves when someone attempts to control it, but not always in the desired direction. A failure is typically indicated by the sphere moving toward the creature that is making the attempt. If two or more people attempt to control the sphere simultaneously, even cooperatively, the chance for success is reduced for all. Um, or it can become a contest between the would-be controllers that is largely determined by intelligence and luck. 
Okay. <clears throat> like the opposite of a Jaeger, like piloting the Jaeger in Yeah, Pacific yeah, Korea. absolutely. Okay. <laughs> uh, there's evidence that a sphere of annihilation has intelligence or awareness, but some adventurers have... Or there is no evidence that a sphere of annihilation has intelligence or awareness, but some adventurers have reported that one actively attacked them when they got too close. Hmm. The chances of controlling a sphere of annihilation are greatly improved when in possession of a talisman of the sphere, another legendary wondrous item designed to better control the sphere. That's all it does. That's such a weird little bit of misdirection to add into this. Like, yeah. oh, but one guy said it did, though. Yeah, okay, I know, guy. right? I'm sure there was like a very specific adventure module where it happened. I just don't know what it was. Oh, man. Okay. The sphere also reacts strangely when it comes into contact with portals, gate spells, and other interdimensional phenomena like portable holes. There is a random chance that nothing will happen and the sphere is transported to a destination of the portal or that every creature and object within a 180 feet or 55 meters is whisked off to a random plane of existence. The most likely outcome, though, is that the sphere is simply destroyed. Yeah, okay, I get it. It annihilates itself. Yes, exactly. Interesting. Let's uh, learn about the sphere of annihilation stat block. There's the fucking Mr. Krabs robot again. Okay, <laughs> uh, it's a wondrous item. It's legendary. This two-foot diameter black sphere is a hole in the multiverse, hovering in a space and stabilized by a magical field surrounding it. Uh, this, ooh, what happens if you cancel that magic field? My brain is racing. The sphere obliterates all matter it passes through. And all matter that passes through it. Artifacts are the exception. Unless an artifact is susceptible to damage from a sphere of annihilation, it passes through the sphere unscathed. Anything else that touches the sphere but isn't wholly engulfed and obliterated by it takes 4d10 force damage. Mm. The sphere is stationary until someone controls it. If you are within 60 feet of an uncontrolled sphere, you can use an action to make a DC 25 intelligence arcana check. On a success, high. the sphere levitates in one direction of your choice up to a number of feet equal to five times your intelligence modifier for a minimum of five feet. On a failure, the sphere moves 10 feet toward you. A creature whose space the sphere enters must succeed on a DC 13 dexterity saving throw or be touched by it, taking 4d10 force damage. It's nothing to sneeze at. Mm -mm. If you control, if you attempt to control a sphere that is under another creature's control, you make an intelligence arcana check contested by the other creature's intelligence arcana check. The winner of the contest gains control of the sphere and can levitate it as normal. If the sphere comes into contact with a planar portal, such as that created by the gate spell, or an extra-dimensional space, such as that within the portable hole, the GM determines randomly what happens using the following table. Now you're going to roll a D100. On a 1 through 50, the sphere is destroyed. On a 51 through 85, the sphere moves through a, uh, the portal or into the extra-dimensional space. And on an 86 through 100, a spatial rift sends each creature and object within 180 feet of the sphere, including the sphere, to a random plane of existence. This is wild. This is a crazy thing. It is a pretty crazy thing. What the thing. fuck is this? It's just, it's it's a weapon for the most part. Yeah, like somebody makes or a little trap. mini black hole and cases yeah. it in magic and gets to like fucking throw it around. Yeah. Uh, the, the Sphere of Annihilation is most commonly associated with the Archlich uh, Acerak. Yeah. God. Acerak. It's Acerak. Acerak. Oh, God. Acerak. Acerak. If we say them all, they can't get mad. <laughs> Guess that's true. Um, notably in the the Tomb of Annihilation uh, dungeon, uh -huh. or I think the Tomb of Horrors, actually. Oh, uh, either way, um, yeah, it's just it's a, it's a weapon, it's a trap, it's you know, it, it honestly like it's a trap. The fact that it is in itself somewhat like a singularity, like it could be whatever you want it to be as a DM. It could be like 
an infant black hole meant to swallow the cosmos. You know, it could be it could be a number of things. For sure. Um, Are you about to roll these outer planes? Because that's what I was trying first, to think of. First, let's roll the flask because. Oh, okay. That's we, that we didn't. We table. missed that. Yeah. Let's go back. No, we didn't miss it. We're going back for it. All right. Just, the dungeon cast finds a random flask. Yeah. Um. Well, I'm just gonna roll this D D100 right. And, um. Do you already have the thing yeah, in front of you? Okay. Cool. 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 What'd you get? Going. What'd you get? Let's see. I got uh an eight. Um, is that an eight? Yeah, that is an eight. Yeah, Holy double shit. Zero, eight. So it's empty. It's empty. Okay, that's the one you found. What about the one I found? <laughs> so now I can do the Mafuba. Yeah, that's true. You can. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so uh, you're rolling the sphere? Oh, God, I rolled 61. Uh, the sphere moves through the portal or into the... Oh, no, no, no. I was I was rolling the Iron Flask. My bad. Oh, My bad. you're, you're going to do an Iron... Oh, okay, yeah. for 61, you've got a type 3 demon up in there. <laughs> okay, so I died. I'm dead. <laughs> okay, I'll, I got eaten I guess by, we'll like... Roll a sphere of annihilation. Hezrau. Hezrau, yeah, that's pretty good. 65 for me says the sphere moves through the portal or into the extra dimensional space. You're quite lucky. Um, I rolled an 80, no, 48. 48. Um, that The sphere is destroyed. I'm even luckier. <laughs> <laughs> Great. Okay. Well, um, rest? Let's take a short rest. It's the grand adventures of Ilian and Beard. Ilian, are you. Are you sure this tunnel is safe? Why, of course I am, Bernard. The purple worm has passed through here. They they never make U-turns. It's not something a purple worm is known for. They go in straight lines. You know, that, that makes a lot of sense considering, like, it, you know, it's tubular shape. Yes. And it's tubular hole. Like, exactly. it barely fits in this thing, huh? Man, these things are huge. They're so big. They're quite large. Uh. Colossal, even. Um, Yes, no, it's perfectly safe. And... Look, Ben, look how much time we're saving. This thing carved a hole straight through the heart of Bacchus Burrow. That's it's, true. We're passing level after level here. It's at conveniently, uh, a convenient slope, I would say. To You know, we're not going, like, straight down, but it's it's very walkable, is what I'm trying to say. And that's that's nice, you know. We've been dealing with some rough terrain, like we like we were back in that last room. I, I just wish we had something to drink. I'm, I'm so thirsty. I know. I'm quite parched myself. It's, <sighs> it's been a long... Long uh, road, and it's unfortunate that we dropped most of our water rations when we had to flee the purple worm. I miss uh, our tent. Yes, unfortunately, we had to leave those supplies behind us. As well. Those creatures that ran by us didn't even trample it. We just had to. We just had to abandon it. What are we gonna do? Well, we're gonna have to start foraging for food and water. By we, I mean you. Yes, <laughs> yes, of course. I'm skilled in these things. It makes it only makes the most sense. Oh, oh what is this? Ha. It seems uh, my luck has turned in the correct direction here. I found a flask. Ilian, check it out. It is small and made of iron. Why, how serendipitous. Indeed. Quite. Pass good. it. Pass it over here, yes, man. I'm quite, quite thirsty. Actually, I'm not sure quite how to open it. Yes, yes, yes. Here. Ilian, you go first. It's been... This, uh, this brass stopper seems quite stuck. Ha. All right, what am I doing? Here, Ben. Take this from me. Okay, I You're got the it. strong one here. I got it. Okay, well, hang on a second. How about how about you hold the bottom? I gotta get my fingies in there. You hold okay. the bottom of the yes. flask and pull. Yes. And pull the top. Use the uh, power of those fingies. Uh, 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 uh. Oh, why was it so you hard? Oh, oh my God! What's happening? Uh, humans. Beard, what have you done? I, I just opened the flask. I don't know. This thing, this thing came out of it in a spout of fire. 
It's it's got such large horns. They're I, huge. I, They're I, so your your horns are so long, sir. Tell us your name. I am the devil known as Kyle. <laughs> and your ancestors imprisoned me in this flask a millennia ago. Eons. I'm not sure. I lost track of time in there. Our ancestors? We don't even know you. Uh, you are human, correct? It has been that is time. yet to be decided. Oh, I see. Well, at least you are humanoid with your the way you walk in bipedal fashion. No? Ben, stand back. This horned devil means it's harm. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, you know what? You got this, alien. I'm gonna stand way back here. I shall cast a spell of the fourth slot, an abjuration spell, one that will send this beast back from whence it came. Not literally back in the flask, but back to its plane of existence where it's probably born. Although horned devils aren't actually born, they're raised up through the ranks. They start off as, as usually as imps, or sometimes as manege, but, oh, what am I doing? Oh yeah, casting the spell. Oh my God, get to it already. <laughs> You know what I will? On Simon, oh my Satan! May it or oh no! Hello here! Uh, uh, alien! The, the yes. ceiling! The ceiling! You're, Something's happening! You're interrupting you're my spell, Beard! You need to stand back! Stand back! I'll get out of here! Run! 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 Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout, 15% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify is great. They're taking businesses of all sizes, cradling them in their arms, to help them grow by giving them the tools they need. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S., and Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success at every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash dungeoncast, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash dungeoncast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash dungeoncast. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it. Or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I 
wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz and how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts. We've returned. Indeed we have. If you want to support Ilian and Bieren on their adventures to find dependent of plenteous patrons you can do so at patreon.com slash the dungeon cast where we're working on uh figuring out what kind of alien and beer and content we can put up there besides just That's like true. slamming true. the skits together and, <laughs> and throwing them up there but uh i'm there hopefully will be something uh and and that's it yeah it, it also helps us because we control alien and being <laughs> from behind the scenes yeah, they are they're but our marionettes are puppets <laughs> Please continue with your uh, oh. with your wonderful explanation. I shall. I shall. <laughs> so this next uh, legendary wondrous item is actually two legendary wondrous items, only because they are they mirror each other so exactly that talking about one without talking about the other seems just like a poor move. Okay. So we have the talisman of pure good and the talisman of ultimate evil. Bad news though, neither of these items has any lore at oh. all. Like, at all. Oh. Uh, not who made them. Not any plane of existence or deity slash deity-like entity that they're affiliated with. Not how to make one. Not what they look like, with the exception of actual images done by various artists across the editions. Um, which is weird. You know, a lot of times, if there's art, there's usually, like, word descriptions. But you can go all the way back to first edition. There's no word descriptions, man. I wonder if it just means that, like, whatever is pure good in your world and ultimate evil in your world right. is where you can apply these. Right, right. So um, going all the way back to second edition, these talisman entries are simply, here's their name, here's what they do, have fun and don't ask any more questions. I know, right? That's straight <laughs> up it. Yeah. Maybe they were, like, making magic items mechanically and with the art, and then the lore guy was, like, trying to catch up. And they couldn't, and they were like, "Oh, we got to release all these yeah. items." Yeah, out of time. No. Maybe I I don't know if just, that's the case, they but were maybe just like, never got to it. <laughs> <laughs> so the talisman of ultimate evil is most often depicted as a black iron chain talisman with a medallion depicting a human skull with horns screaming. Oh, uh, some depictions give the skull ghostly green eye sockets and a glowing green orb in its mouth. The talisman of pure good is most often depicted as a golden sun medallion with a large ruby embedded in its center, surrounded by magic runes. The talismans are direct mirroring opposites of each other. They do the exact same thing, but in reverse of the other. In simplest terms, the talisman of pure good can be wielded by a good aligned priest and used to cause the ground to open up and swallow whole a targeted evil aligned priest, while the talisman of ultimate evil can be wielded by an evil aligned priest to do the exact same thing to a targeted good aligned priest. That's crazy. They're just going to, it's going to be priest wars up in <laughs> my D&D games. Priest wars. Priest wars. They have the ultimate talismans of their disciplines and they're going to fuck each other up. Did you ever watch uh, Beast Wars as a kid? Beast Wars? Like the. What was that? It's Transformers with yeah, their Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. what I thought. Yes, I did. It was fucking great. Yeah. It was super good. I mean, they just made the, the knockoff Yeah, movie but version. it seems so not good compared to the Beast Wars. Yeah, because so. you, you have both Optimus Primes are in it, I guess. Yes, it's weird. I don't know. I never saw it. I fell off the Transformers movies after the first one. Yeah. I like the first one. The Michael Bay verse. Yeah. 
right, tell me about these stat blocks. <laughs> okay, let me let me get, let me get over there. Uh, we'll start with pure good, I guess. Uh, wondrous item legendary requires attunement by a creature of good alignment. This talisman is a mighty symbol of goodness. A creature that is neither good nor evil in alignment takes 6d6 radiant damage upon touching the talisman. <laughs> Holy shit. An evil creature takes 8d6 radiant damage upon touching the talisman. Either sort of creature takes the damage again each time it ends its turn holding or carrying the talisman. Jesus Christ. It's like a vampire trying to hold like a cross. Like, yeah. oh, I have to do 100 meters. I don't know why. It's my training. Uh, if you are a good cleric or paladin, you can use the talisman as a holy symbol, and you gain a plus two bonus to spell attacks, spell attack rolls while you wear or hold it. That's really cool. Yeah. The talisman has seven charges. If you are wearing or holding it, you can use an action to expend one charge from it and choose one creature you can see on the ground within 120 feet of you. If the target is of evil alignment, a flaming fissure opens under it. The target must succeed on a DC 20 dexterity saving throw or fall into the fissure and be destroyed, leaving no remains. The fissure then closes, leaving no trace of its existence. When you expend the last charge, the talisman disperses into motes of golden light and is destroyed. Damn. It's a crazy firework. Yeah. Um, I like how 5e has expanded it to not just evil priests, but evil people. Yes, okay, that, that, that does make sense. <laughs> it makes it a little bit better. For the Talisman of Pure Goods image, it's the submarine of Qualish or whatever. Um, and then for the Talisman of Ultimate Evil, it is the thing you described with the green mouth and yes, horns. Yes, Okay. Uh, Very good art. Talisman of Evil, Ultimate Evil. It's weird that there's one and not the other. It's like, you definitely want this one in your game. I'm going to make a drawing Well, actually, it. the weirder part is that the Talisman of uh, Ultimate Evil is by far the less useful one, unless you're running an evil campaign. Well, this item uh, is wondrous and legendary and requires attunement by a creature of evil alignment. Uh, it symbolizes unrepentant evil. A creature evil. Evil. A creature. <laughs> fucking mermaid, man. Yeah. There's a lot of SpongeBob this episode. A lot of episode. SpongeBob this episode. Uh, a creature that is neither good nor evil in alignment takes 66 <laughs> necrotic damage upon touching the talisman. A good creature takes 8d6 necrotic damage upon touching the talisman. Don't touch my e talisman. Either sort of creature takes the damage again each time it ends its turn holding or carrying the talisman. If you are an evil cleric or paladin, you can use the talisman as a holy symbol and you gain a plus two bonus to spell attack rolls when you wear or hold it. The ta <laughs> Sorry, no, go ahead. I heard you take a little breath. Uh, yeah, I thought you were done. Go ahead. This is where our chemistry kicks in. Go ahead and say it. I was going to say, have you ever played the board game Talisman? No. It's really good. It's actually Josh Freeland's favorite board game. No shit. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's a very good game. Well, then I should definitely play it. Yeah, we should What's play up, it. Freeland? You listening? There we go. There's some Patreon content. Some we'll talisman. just play some Talisman. Oh, that's kind of cool. Uh, the, talis the Talisman has six charges. If you are wearing or holding it, you can use an action to expend one charge from the Talisman and choose one creature you can see on the ground within 120 feet of you. If the target is of good alignment, a flaming fissure opens under it. The target must succeed on a DC 20 dexterity saving throw or fall into the fissure and be destroyed, leaving no remains. The fissure then closes, <laughs> leaving no trace of its existence. When you expend the last charge, the talisman dissolves into foul-smelling slime and is destroyed. Oh, that's gross. Have you ever actually landed a fissure attack in Pokemon? Uh, yeah, there's a... If you... If you X accuracy, you're guaranteed to hit it. Oh, no shit. Yeah, it's a cool speedrunning hack I learned oh, watching wow. speedruns of Pokemon Red. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> you got anything to add about the talismans? 
I'm, they're cool. I mean, like, I think they're actually pretty neat. Obviously, the Talisman of Pure Good is probably more likely to come up. If the Talisman of Ultimate Evil comes up, it's likely in the hands of the BBEG, which is scary. Honest to oh, God, yeah. that's terrifying. Yeah. It's like you have to fight this Archlich. Oh, and he has the Talisman of Ultimate Evil. So he could, like, if any of you guys are a good of heart, he's just going to point at you and have a, a fissure swallow you up. It would be fun to have your, new, your BBEG be neutral. And then ha be killing like you think he's evil because he killed a priest with a good one. Who well, was trying to thwart him. That won't work because if you're neutral, these things hit, hit you hard. If you try and wield one, no, yeah, you, the the BBEG will be killing the priest that's wielding it to stop the BBEG. Like I am a good priest who will stop the BBEG now. Oh, then it doesn't and work. You think he's evil and. The, bitch, I'm the chaotic BBEG neutral. kills the guy, and you're like, that guy's fucking evil. But then he fights an evil priest with a bad one, and that guy wants the BBEG dead too. And now you're now your dude is the Pokemon villain from X and Y or whatever. I don't know. I think Lysander's <laughs> pretty lawful evil. Okay. And an asshole. I don't know. I didn't play that one. <laughs> it's a good one. I like it. Aren't there Pokemon bad guys that are just like, I just want to watch the world be I don't know. <sighs> I'm trying to think. Who's like the most neutral of the bad guys? I don't know. I guess um, maybe Giovanni. He just wants money. Well, the, he's lawful evil. I think uh, uh, team team uh, not Aqua. I think team Aqua is pretty neutral. No, I like them. Get it wet. That's <laughs> All the right, whole thing. moving on. Okay. Last up, we have the instrument of the bards, or should I say, the instruments of the bards. Oh, these are expertly crafted and legendarily enchanted versions of seven types of musical instruments. That's fun. The Anstruth harp. The Kanath mandolin, the Klee li liar, Klee the liar, liar, the Das lute, the Fokluken, <laughs> wait what, <laughs> Bandor, oh, come on D and D, the Macfermid Citern, and the Olam harp. There's two harps on here. Uh, hey. <laughs> Harp to harp. Maybe it's a small harp and a big harp. Probably. These are in every way superior to their ordinary counterparts. Their powers can only be effectively used by bards. And in fact, any non-bard that attempts to use one of these instruments runs the risk of injury. Oh. Bards, okay. bards wielding an instrument of the bards have their charming abilities greatly amplified by their magic. All instruments of the bards have the capability of storing spells. Besides the specific spells that each individual instrument can hold, a bard playing any one such instrument can invoke the spells fly, invisibility, levitate, and protection from good and evil once a day until the next dawn. The first of the instruments of the bards were created by a legendary bard in the Moonshade Isles named Folater. He used the instruments to test and reward the students of each of the seven levels of his bardic college, which came to be regarded individually as legendary bard colleges in their own right. These seven elder bardic colleges were all attended by an aspiring bard who wished to achieve the rank of master bard, traditionally in the following order. That's got to be Fock Lucan, right? Fock Lucan. Fock Lucan. Frau Brucker. <laughs> oh, I really hope Freeland's listening. He loves that joke. <laughs> I love that movie. It's so good. Uh, MacFermid, Doss, Kanath, Clear Cly, I'm not sure which, Anstruth, and Olam. Yeah, I like this a lot. Bard lore, there should be more bard lore. We do need more, more bard lore. Like, That's this true. has been very cool. Like It's, it's uh, nice, yeah. yeah. It's actually probably one of the better of the legendary items because it does cool shit. I'm about to find out the specifics of said cool shit in this stat block. We got wondrous items. They vary. Depends. I guess. Requires attunement by a bard. An instrument of the bards is an exquisite example of its kind, superior to an ordinary instrument in every way. Seven types of these instruments exist. 
each named after a legendary bard college. The following table lists the spells common to all instruments, as well as the spells specific to each one and its rarity. A creature that attempts to play the instrument without being attuned to it must succeed on a DC 15 wisdom saving throw or take 2D, sorry, 2D4 psychic damage. Uh, you can use an action to play the instrument and cast one of its spells. Once the instrument has been used to cast a spell, it can't be used to cast that spell again until the next dawn. The spell's use... The spells use your spell casting ability and spell save DC. You can play the instrument while casting a spell that causes any of its targets to be charmed on a failed saving throw, thereby imposing disadvantage on the save. The effect applies only if the spell has a somatic or material component. Uh, let's see. This table below says instrument, all, rarity, blank, spells, fly, invisibility, levitate, protection from evil and good, plus the spells listed for the particular instrument. The Anstruth Harp is very rare. You can cast Control Weather, Cure Wounds at 5th level, and Wall of Thorns. The Knaith Mandolin is rare. Uh, it casts Cure Wounds at 3rd level, Dispel Magic, Protection from Energy, Lightning only. The Klee Lyre is rare. It can cast Stone Shape, Wall of Fire, and Wind Wall. The Das Flute, or sorry, Das Lute, uh, is uncommon. Anyways, anybody, everybody, here's Wind Wall. <laughs> sorry, bad joke. Keep going. Uh, okay, Animal Friendship. Yeah, the Das Lute is uncommon. It can cast Animal Friendship, Protection from Energy, Fire Only, Protection from Poison. Get fucked, Poison. Uh, Fakhlukan Bandor is uncommon. Entangle, Fairy Fire, Shalele, Speak with Animals. Uh, and the Mac Firmid Citern is uncommon. Uh, it can cast Bark Skin, Cure Wounds, and Fog Cloud. Ooh, it does a fart. And then Olam Harp is legendary. It casts Confusion, Control Weather, and Firestorm. Uh, these are all very good. These yeah, last three fun. spells are very good. They're very fun. Yeah, these are cool items. <clears throat> these are really cool. Yeah, they just fucking do magic. Yeah, they just do, they're just magic instruments, and the magic instruments are fucking cool. Yeah, I like the uh, D fours of psychic damage being like a thing with bards too. It's kind of fun. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Like vicious, vicious mockery. You know what I mean? So, would you say that this is your favorite of legendary items today? Um, I don't know. I kind of like the submarine. <laughs> I kind of like the one I led with, it's huh? It's funny looking because it looks like Mr. It is, Krabs. It is. I'm, I think the Iron Flask takes mine because I think that one's uh, It's just fun. Yeah, that one. Um, that one's pretty good. I do like the instruments of the bards, but there's like seven of them and I don't have a favorite of them like here on the list. Yeah, I like the idea as a whole, but any one particular one doesn't stand out to me as a favorite. Yeah. I mean, like just the, all of them can cast like invisibility and fly. Like that's so it's, fucking cool. It is really cool. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I don't know. I get, I, man, one of these harps would be sick. Like, this confusion harp would be sick as fuck. Well, you're playing a bard now, so we'll see what happens. <laughs> we'll see what happens. Damn, if I get an instrument of the bards, that'd be sick. Yeah, I'd have to find a way to work with that bass of yours. We'd have to, like, I don't know. I'll figure it out. I'm going to fucking cut the strings off this one, mate. Put it on this one. <laughs> I, he, wait, since when did he have an Australian accent? He doesn't. It's just I just what I felt like doing. <laughs> All right, you ready for a long rest? Yeah. Let's do it. Hey everybody, welcome to the long rest. Let's hope this sleep is fucking legendary. And wondrous. And wondrous. Why not? Um have have wonderful dreams where you think about the dungeon cast and how many more episodes you're gonna listen to for the rest of your lives. Uh for as long as we make it. Now, on to the plugs. Will tell them about the Soch. Uh we have it. 
Excellent. There's four slash five. There's a Discord, uh, which is where we have a huge, awesome community. Uh, that's great to be part of. So check that out if you're into Discord. I am. It's probably my favorite favorite place to talk to fans. Um, and we also have Instagram. And we also have X and Mastodon and Threads. And yeah. I'm posting on there four times a week on all four platforms. Pick your poison. Pick your poison. Or you can follow me on Sa- at Sound Good Inc. on Instagram. You can see Sally the Dragon Turtle that lives in my backyard and survives all the crazy natural disasters California has purely on her own merit. It's so funny because the, the quote-unquote hurricane that rolled through, it was just a light drizzle where I live. That's It's so crazy. That yeah. So I talked about how much it rained, right? Yeah. yeah you and then you were telling me it's supposed to rain upcoming here. Yes. Um, yeah, California's been weird, uh, turning into a tropical environment, I guess, uh, you know, uh, so what else do we do? Uh, Baldur's, Baldur's Gate, Gate 3, yeah. Baldur's Gate 3 for you. you. We'll give you one. You know what you gotta do? Sub up. And comment and like. Yeah, we're getting close to that. Um, 50k subs on YouTube. It's a very cool milestone. Um, yeah, like that video, comment on it, etc. Um, and you'll be entered to win a copy. We'll basically... Throw all your names into the Randy generator and see who comes out. See who's the horniest for it. Uh, Drakenstar. It's a book. Yeah, it's a book. It's based off our live play, uh, Superquest Saga. It's a science fiction slash science fantasy space opera. Basically, there's starships, there's dragons, there's magic, there's technology, um, and it's all compatible with fifth edition. Uh, we got. 11 new species with a species builder. We have 13 new subclasses. We got 59 magic items slash advanced technological devices. We have over 100 alien monsters. And if you want all that for your D&D game, all you got to do is go to drakenstar.com and pre-order a copy today. Link is in the description. I'm working really hard on it. Uh, and beta tests are coming out regularly. Uh, so if you want in on that, get in on it. Get in there. Link's in the description below. Um... Yeah, check out Super Quest Saga. It's it's all there, the whole campaign. It's very good. Or you can check out Flashbang and the Surgeon, the thing that's on the same feed happening now. Um, that's airing. That uh, superhero game based off Batman the Animated Series. A lot of fun. Um, and you can go to our Patreon, patreon.com slash the Dungeon Cast if you want to support us or Alien and Beern. You can also reach us out to us at uh, thedungeoncast at gmail.com. I think uh, we haven't plugged that in so long. Uh, I think people maybe forgot you can do that advertisers if you're still here you can do that as well and you can advertise with us in a standard at standard rates or with alien and beer we are offering that um they're gonna wear cool jerseys with your logo on them although this is an audio medium so no one will see it but we'll talk about it <laughs> um <laughs> we yeah i'm not gonna i'm not gonna do the thing um so then uh uh fuck what else there's something else uh what are we missing uh, what are we missing uh, oh i love you Thanks for listening. I also love you. Okay, bye. Let's call it again. Greetings, adventurers. Today we're excited to introduce you to a new story, Dark Dice, a horror podcast that blurs the line between actual play and audio drama, where the story is determined by the roll of the dice. Six adventurers embark on a journey into the ruinous domain of the Nameless God. They will never be the same again. One of the players is now what they seem after a doppelganger, a creature that can assume the form and voice of whatever it kills, infiltrates the team. 
As the players are picked off and replaced one at a time, can they figure out who the monster is before it's too late? Can you? Here's a quick example of what our show sounds like. The, uh, shambler with the jar of liquid inside of him. Soren Arkwright let loose an arrow that cracked the glass, passing through the spine of the creature. The Shambler still managed to maintain its forward momentum, but stumbled as it eagerly tried to bite and swipe at Soren, landing near his feet. As Jeff Goldblum has now joined our cast, Dark Dice is available however you listen to podcasts.